Well, good morning again, and uh, thanks for being so faithful and committing to this on a weekly basis, as challenging as it is. But we're going to continue in this series this morning on that classic historical affirmation of our Christian faith, the Apostles' Creed. And we're about done with the series, and so if you've missed some segments, you're welcome to go back and uh, look at some of the recordings. But today we're going to be in the part of the Creed that reads, I believe in the community of saints, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And I'd be lying if I didn't uh, think that when Kyle asked me to speak on this, I thought, well, that'll take about five minutes. But obviously that was in my ignorance, because the more I dug into it and the more I studied it, I realized the beauty and the depth. What does it mean to be in communion with other believers? And what does it really mean to have the peace of knowing that my sins are forgiven. And so we're going to unpack both of those uh, this morning separately, but we're also going to note some overlap that they might have. So you think of the two words, I believe in the communion of saints. You think of those two words, communion and saints. Uh, Communion really means to be in fellowship or be in relationship with, whether it's literally or figuratively. Uh, For example, I have a relationship with C.S. Lewis and the Apostle Paul and, and uh, Billy Graham, not literally, but figuratively, right? Because their writings have influenced me, and I'm a better person, I'm a stronger Christ follower as a result of being in communion with them. And then you think of the word saints, which really is all Christ followers were made saints by God, were made holy by God. And so it's not some special class of dead people, but it's all who are following Christ and understand the gospel. So when we believe in the communion of saints, we're we're acknowledging that we're not alone. We're not designed to be alone in our faith journey. And certainly in this current era that we're going through, we we see the pain of being alone. And we're not designed to be alone. Hebrews 12 talks about being surrounded by a, a great cloud of witnesses, people that have witnessed the faithfulness of God. So as we run this race, we're surrounded by this crowd people that are encouraging us on. So the emphasis is on more we and not me. So it's not I, but it's us. So when someone says that my faith is personal and private, it's really the opposite of the communion of saints. My faith is built on a very public and a very common gospel. Moeller in his book in the Apostles' Creed says this, 2,000 years after Paul lived, Our hope should ever be that we proclaim the same gospel Paul taught and handed down to Timothy. We must be a church founded upon the apostolic teaching and proclamation. We all put our faith in one gospel. It's the same gospel that's carried out through generations. And we're all in this together, and we need to understand that and then plug into others at the same time. On Easter morning, I chose to uh, watch three very different church services, mostly because I could. And actually, since that time, I've, I've heard of other people that watch multiple services on a Sunday morning, which is great. It gives you kind of a wider exposure. But I watched a, a very techno-forward church, and then I watched a more mainline, and then I watched a pretty conservative uh, church. And it was interesting because even though the churches were very different, as Kyle would say, there was a different flavor of ice cream. They all had the same message. 
You know, it struck me as I watched them that all of them talked about Jesus is alive. Jesus is the reason for the season. And our hope is in Christ. And it struck me that we're all talking about the same gospel. It seemed like the ultimate communion of saints. If we were to sit down with them, have dinner with them, we'd be different people, we'd be different personalities. But the centrality of the gospel is what joins us all together. My faith is shaped by the lives, the experiences, the the words of men and women that God has allowed me to be with in community with, in Bible studies with on on a regular basis. They've all helped to shape me and who I am today. Every Tuesday for decades, I've hung out with a bunch of men and gone through the scriptures and men from different churches all over the area and learned from them. My wife and I lead a community group and we learn and exchange with groups like that. And then I'm also with some guys that hang out other times. And so I just stay in that communion, spiritual communion, physical communion with other believers. So to say your faith is personal and private is to really, it's to really miss the wealth of wisdom that, that God's put into every, every believer, every Christ follower, every saint. So maybe it'd be more accurate to say that my decision to follow Christ started with a personal and individual conviction, an individual confession of the truth of the gospel. But my spiritual journey since that moment in time has been partially but substantially increased, expanded as a result of allowing other people uh, to speak into my life. Maybe that's something you can relate to. We need to live in community with others to really grow in Christ. You've probably heard me talk in the past about life's events, whether they're traumatic or otherwise, will either shape us or define us. Well, my, re- my relationship with Jesus is kind of both hand. I'm defined as one who follows the life of Jesus Christ. But I'm shaped by the communion of saints. The second topic I want to highlight this morning is the belief in the forgiveness of sins. Now, depending on where you are in your spiritual journey, the thought of sins being forgiven can have very different meanings. Uh, For some, you might be saying, what sins? Right? I'm a good person. I live a good moral life. I give to good causes. I show love to my spouse and kids. I'm good. And maybe on the, on the other end of that continuum, some folks might be thinking that, well, my sins are unforgivable. What I've done is uh, no one could forgive me. I, besides, I can't forgive myself. It's unforgivable. And there's so, folks somewhere in the middle, and there's plenty of spaces in between there, but Maybe you say something like, you know, my sin's not a big deal. God's a gracious God. He's a loving God. He's going to forgive me. Besides, I'm only human. And really, everyone sins, and no one's perfect. Well, in fact, no one is perfect except for Jesus, so that is true. But with beliefs all over the place on sin, we don't really talk about the forgiveness of sin very much. And we really don't talk about sin in general. I mean, it's not really a conversation starter. Hey, I sinned, you know, last week, right? We don't start a conversation like that. But if you've been following Christ for even a short time, you probably realize that very central to this journey is the reality that Jesus died on the cross as a result of the sins of mankind. My sin, your sin. Now, it can be easy 
to look at that as an historical event that, that happened over 2,000 years ago, once and done, right? But it doesn't really have any relevance on my daily life, which brings us back to a common thought that, hey, I live a good life, I do the best I can, but hey, I'm not perfect. So it kind of challenged me as I was studying this, is how do we integrate the cross into our daily life? Yes, it was a historical event, but how does it affect me today? We say it when we recite the Lord's Prayer, right? The prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have trespassed or sinned against us. But how do we celebrate the forgiveness of sins? And I'm going to suggest maybe in the word hope. Hope. See, without the forgiveness of the sins, there's no hope for the Christ follower. There's, there's no gospel. The entire Christian faith rests on the reality of forgiveness. Now, you know, the drama of sin began in the Garden of Eden when mankind was in perfect harmony, perfect unity with the Creator. And then Satan tempted Adam and Eve to be like God. The original temptation was that they would be like God. And of course, they ate the apple and it changed history. So now we all live under the curse of their choices. We all live with the presence of sin. We're affected by sin. We're tempted to sin. Certainly this current pandemic is clear evidence of the presence of sin in this world. Sickness, death, it's all part of being a part of sin. So an interesting way to kind of look at that, and this has resonated with me, is that Jesus' death on the cross took the penalty of sin. Sin needed a price to pay, and Jesus paid the price. He paid the penalty of sin. And the presence of the Holy Spirit living in us gives us the freedom over the power of sin. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So the power is no longer over me when it comes to sin. But only heaven will relieve us from the presence of sin. So that's it's an interesting way to kind of think about it. Jesus took the penalty and paid the price of sin. We no longer live under the power of sin, but we still have the presence of sin in this world. And so in our fallen state, in little ways and maybe in big ways, we all sin. Scripture has a lot of verses on the subject of sin. I'm just going to grab a couple, three, just pieces of them. Romans says this, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. In 1 Kings, there's no one who does not sin. That's pretty clear, isn't it? And then in Psalms, No one living is righteous. So none of us can reach God's standards of perfection and holiness on our own. That's our goal. That's hopefully your goal. But none of us can do it. None of us can sort of muscle through and be holy, be sinless. We all need the forgiveness on a regular basis. Because in our humanity, we fall short because we're surrounded by the presence of sin. We're not really all that different from Adam and Eve. Uh, they wanted to be like God, to know God, to know everything that God knows. 
So what do we want to do if you think about it? Sin is really wanting to, to kick God off the throne. In that moment, I want to be God. I want to do what I want to do. And that's the essence of sin is I don't want to do what the Creator wants me to do or told me I should do. I want to do what I want to do. I want to make the decisions for my life. And God says, I created you. I know what's best for you. Hence the great daily need for the forgiveness of sin. As a matter of habit, when I lay my head in the pillow at night, I ask God to forgive me for the sins I've committed that day. Reality being, I sin every day, whether I know it or whether I don't know it. I sin every day. We all do. But God's grace, God's forgiveness is sufficient for all of our sin. So here's a metaphorical, kind of a word picture to think about. You've seen those um, imitations, the, uh, the, the pictures of Moses crossing the Red Sea. And so the, the wall of water on both sides, and they, they cross through. Well, think of that for a moment when you're thinking of sin and, and God's forgiveness. On one side, there's this wall of water called your sin. And it's all black. It's just pitch black. It's evidence of the, of the immensity of my sin. And then the other wall of water, it's this blood red, the enormity of God's love, his grace, his forgiveness. And when they crash together at the cross, you'd think when bright red water mixes with black water, it would end up being kind of a dark red, light black. But no, it's all blood red. It's all blood red. Because his Grace, his forgiveness covers everything I do. So it doesn't minimize my sin, but it shows the power, the enormity of God's love, God's grace. There's always those two components. It's the enormity of my sin and the, and the great measure of God's grace and God's forgiveness. Praise God for that. Second Corinthians says this, for God made Christ who never sinned, never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's just a powerful verse. We're right with God. Some of us don't realize that we're not right with God and need that on a regular basis. So when I confessed my sins some 50 years ago on my knees, uh, Jesus made me right with God. And when I confessed my sin last night with my head on the pillow, Jesus made me right with God. So I didn't lose my salvation, but I'm acknowledging my need for forgiveness of sins on a daily basis. We're all called to confess our sins on a regular basis, both individually and corporately. John says this, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So to believe in the forgiveness of sin means that we know who we are apart from God. And daily I'm tempted to, to kick God off his throne and sit there myself. But God is so gracious. He knows that. He knows that in me. He knows that in you. And he says, come to me. I'll forgive you. 
Come to me, I'll forgive you. It can seem a little overwhelming to have holiness or purity as our goal, knowing that we're daily being tempted by the presence of sin. And so that's where the, the biblical PPE comes in. Those three letters were never together until this current pandemic, the personal protective equipment. But the Bible has a pretty clear set of PPEs that we need to put on to run this spiritual race, this journey, and yet do what we can to stay sinless as possible. So let's read it together. It's in Ephesians 6. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore put on every piece of God's armor, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So we can't do it on our own. We can't be righteous on our own. But yet we're forgiven on a regular basis because we have to live life. Not unlike this current issue that we're going through, we have to live life. Wear your PPEs, practice healthy standards. We have to live life in the communion of saints. We have to live life knowing that we're going to sin. We're going to trust God more than ourselves. We're going to believe in God's protection. We're going to believe in God's healing. We're going to believe in God's sovereignty. We're going to believe in God's forgiveness. So I hope you find the peace of knowing that your sins are forgiven, and I hope you find the peace and the pleasure of communion with saints, literally or figuratively. I hope this encourages you in your journey. Can you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for the freedom we have in you. We thank you for the gift of salvation that we have in you. God, we thank you that we're not alone in this journey. Thank you for giving others to Hold our hands up to encourage us, to minister to us, and we them. So guys, we continue on through these current times. Allow us to find your peace, your direction, your wisdom as we go forward. To not live in fear, God, but to live in faith. To understand that you have things under control. You are in control. This is not a surprise to you. And God, we thank you that when we trip and we stumble, when we fall and we sin, we have an absolute Savior who's not moved one inch, still there, still willing to pick us up, put us back on our feet. God, give us the humility 
to want to come to you on a regular basis. God, thank you for loving us. In Christ's name, amen.